Amen. Please be seated and turn in your Bibles to, um, we're back in the book of Ephesians, or the letter of Paul to the Ephesian church, the saints in Christ Jesus, and to us. Ephesians chapter 2, our, our, our text this morning is verse 10, but we'll go ahead and read verses 1 through 10 to set context. Hear now the word of God. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That purpose, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you, and we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for your work in us. Through Jesus Christ and the application and work of the Holy Spirit, you are changing us and molding us and shaping us into that glorious masterpiece. We pray that you would enable us to appreciate what you have done, are doing, and will do. Help us, Lord, to grasp, to understand the heights and the depths and the breadth of your love and the outworking of that love in perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ, so we all would come to maturity and that you would be glorified. So we pray your blessing upon our time now as we look at this verse in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, what are the greatest works of art? When you think of a work of art, when you think of a masterpiece, or if you, when you think of, if you uh, know the Latin, the uh, magnum opus, the greatest work of an artist. What are, what, 
what do you think of? Do you think of paintings? Do you think of sculptures? Do you think of architecture? Do you think of music? Do you think of technology? What are the greatest works of art today? We're going to be looking at that today. Back in the day, a long time ago, in the ancient Near Eastern world, there was what were called the seven great wonders of the world. You ever heard of that? The seven great wonders of the world? How many of them are still standing? Only one, and it's in ruins. Those great works of men perished. But the greatest work of God continues. And that work of art is you and me. That's what Paul is saying here in our text. God is working with us individually, making us into the image of God more and more. As Paul says, changing us from glory to glory into the image of Christ, but also as a body. That's the point of the sermon. So if you look at the, the outline, as you take in the expansive beauty of creation, you behold the magnificent wisdom and power of God, the master artist, from his painting with light. You ever done that? Have you ever gone outside and just watched the sunset and just watched all the colors? And as you stand there, the colors change. You ever notice that? Off the clouds. And it goes from one color to another, and it's just magnificent. It's beautiful. That's God painting with light on a canvas of clouds. Do it sometime. From that painting with light, and he also paints with life. Think of creatures, great and small. God made them all. God created life. To the marvelous interconnected workings of each living being, to the vast galaxies, and as the, uh, as, as the songwriter said, the music of the spheres, God has revealed himself in ways to Uh, too overwhelming to describe. Paul says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, so that we are without an excuse. The psalmist, uh, David, says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There's nowhere where God isn't revealed. I had a conversation recently with an atheist, a person that claimed to be an atheist. And in my mind, I said, you're not an atheist, you're a liar. I didn't say that. I was tactful. Uh, but isn't that true? Does the Bible say the fool says in their, in their heart, there is no God? We know, we see God and his revelation of his glorious work all around us, even within our own bodies. Remember, we read Psalm 139. What does he say? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
If you, if you ever want, if you want to read an interesting book, there's a book with that title, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. It was written by a doctor who was working with leprosy patients, and he, was, and he talks about the nerves, the, the nerve cells, and how wonderful they are. They cause pain. Oh, wait a second. It's wonderful that your nerve cell causes pain? And the answer is yes. Is then you pull your hand away from the thing that's causing you pain. What does a leper do? What happens with leprosy is you don't feel pain. The nerve cell fails. It no longer uh, communicates that there's a problem. You stick your hand into a fire and you don't feel anything. What happens to your hand? It gets destroyed. There's a blessing for being able to feel pain. Even though some of us say, well, we wish, Lord, you'd dial it down a bit. But still, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Our cells, uh, do you know how many cells in your body died from the time you walked in the door till now? You ever thought about that? Thousands of cells have ceased to live since you walked through the door here. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Guess what? Your body reproduces them. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has revealed himself in ways too overwhelming to describe. We are his greatest work of art. And through Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed from the awful effects of sin, restored to usefulness in his hand, and called to live according to who we are in Christ. So we're going to be looking at that today, as Paul says. We are his workmanship. So we're a work of art. What is art? How do you define art? Art is when I, know, when I see it. Some people have said, I know a work of art when I see it. What is it? What is art? Aristotle said, art is the capacity to make things. That's pretty simple. I like that, that statement. Art is the capacity to make things, to make, to create Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, speaks about God. God is the foundation and the fountain of all being and all beauty. God makes things. And the amazing thing is that we are creating the image of God. We can make things and we can enjoy them. We can appreciate something that's made well. God saw that it was good. God created, and then he evaluated, and he saw it was good. And he's given us that ability. We can do things, and we can say, wow, that is really good. Or, well, I need to throw that away and start over. You ever had that happen? You're making something, and it just fails, and you throw it away, and you have to start over? You have the ability to understand. That's part of that work of art, the idea of a masterpiece. Making something and then appreciating it. So my first point, we are his work of art, we're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. 
Have you ever thought of yourself as a revelation? Your body, your soul, your person is a revelation of the master craftsman? The master artist, the greatest artist? So Paul has been doing that in a book. If we go back to chapter 1, verses uh, uh, verse 3, what does he say? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love predestined us. So there we see the work of the Father, the choosing of the Father, the predestination of the Father, whom he foreknows he also calls, whom he foreloves. And so the work of, of uh, this masterpiece began in eternity. You understand that? That's what Paul is saying. This was pla- you were planned out from eternity. The Father determined, loved you, chose you before you ever existed. He has a plan for you, a purpose for you, to be that masterpiece. And then we go into verses uh, all the way through verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 11, 10, 11, and 13, through that whole section there focusing on Jesus and the redemption in Christ. That Christ is working, worked, and is working. Verse 7 in particular, notice that one. In Christ, in him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You're precious in his sight. How precious are you? Paul says Jesus poured out his life, his blood, his sufferings, his death in your place. He's doing that work. And also then we saw in, later on in verses 12 and 13 the work of the Holy Spirit who is, com- is completing. He is personally involved, he indwells, and he is the seal, a permanency. He is the one who's making us into the image or into the art, work of art, that he has intended from eternity. So in many ways, the Holy Spirit is that shaper, that molder of us. We're the clay and he's the potter. He takes the work of Christ as guided by the Father and he applies it. So is the Holy Spirit working today on you? If you're listening, yes, he is. He's shaping and molding us after Christ, changing us from glory to glory into the image of Christ. So this is his work of our created in Christ Jesus. And let's stop and think a little bit more about the uniqueness of his work. When we go all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, if you wanted to summarize it, uh, and I think I've said this before, put it into two words, we are uniquely created. Mankind is unique, right? We're different than the animals, we're different than the plants, we're different than the ground, 
We're different than the stars. We're different than anything else in all of creation. Why? Because God said when he wanted to create man and woman, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So when you look and see another human being, you're seeing the image of God. You're seeing something reflected from them. Whether they're regenerate or not, whether they're born again or not, still the image of God is specially placed on man. We are uniquely created in the image of God. We are his high art. We are the heart, the art that you don't mess with. Um, we're going to talk about folk art in a minute, or the things that we make that are art in that sense. But we were created for God's pleasure. Why you exist for God's pleasure. We are uniquely created. What's the difference between the animals, most of the animals, and you when it comes to your head and your neck? Where do most animals' head is oriented? Is it up? Is it straight on? Or is it down? Think of cows. Think of horses, think of sheep, think of dogs. Where is their orientation of their head normally? It's down. God created us upright. We look out. We look up. Is there a difference there? It's one of many differences. We are uniquely created, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Chapter 2 in particular, God formed us. Adam from the ground. He spoke the animals, the birds, the fish. But it says there in Genesis 2, he formed Adam like a potter takes clay, shapes and molds him, breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. He was involved intimately. And then he takes and creates woman, forms her, Reason to her. Uniquely created. He's created us upright. That not only physically, but also Adam and Eve, were they holy? Were they were they righteous before they fell? <laughs> yes. But unfortunately, Genesis three and again Ephesians chapter two verses one through three. We are also not only uniquely created, but deeply fallen. As Paul says, we are dead, separated from God, separated from life, and unless God intervenes, separated eternally. We refer to it as total depravity, total inability, the need for grace, right? And so... God brings the gospel and grants unto us true faith. Do you have it? Are you trusting in Christ alone for salvation? Is he the only way to God? Has he accomplished that for you? Have you, do you confess Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? So we are deeply fallen in Adam, 
greatly restored in Christ. Isn't that what Paul is saying in our text, starting in verse 4? On the contrary, God has made us a new creature. He's making us. You hear that? He made us. We've fallen. And now he's making us. Look at that verse again. Go back. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Being born again, being regenerated is being brought back to life. We were a a dead zombie walking around animated but separated. And God takes that zombie and brings it back to life. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, there's a movie that talks about zombies that stop being zombies. I don't know if you've ever, I can't remember the title, but it's a fascinating one. Isn't that what God does, did to you? You were a zombie. You were a walking dead. And God in his mercy took you from being a walking dead person to be made alive in Christ. What a wonderful work that was, right? Does God still raise the dead today? Yes, I'm an example of it. So are you if you believe in Jesus. We are a new creature in Christ. Old things, all things that pass away, behold, all things are new. Not only did he make us alive, he says, but he raised us up. He made us to, and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. We're there positionally in Christ. And we look forward to the completing. In other words, we're greatly restored. The new creation has broken into time. We're greatly restored. That's one of the greatest uh, uniqueness of his work of art. And so now, what are we called to do? Let's go back to our text. For we are his masterpiece is work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So what is your purpose? He's working in you in order for you to work, to do, to make. In other words, we are called to be artists. Part of our Work of artness is that we are called, in creating the image of God, we are called to be artists. Now, some of you are going to say, well, I don't have any artistic ability at all. There's not an artistic bone in my body, right? Are some of you feel that way? I've heard people say that. Well, I, 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 yeah, you ask me, try to draw something. I can draw a person, I draw a stick figure. I don't have the ability to draw like my, some of my children do. <coughs> but we are a work of art created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And he goes on to say, what? Which God prepared beforehand that we should conduct our life in them. Okay, so what we have here in our text, number one, We are chosen by God to good works. He has prepared beforehand 
He's given us a purpose. You have a purpose here on earth. You may not know what it is. You may be questioning what it is. Why am I here? What is my purpose? But it says here that God before creation not only purposed your existence, purposed your redemption, but also purposed to use you to create you as a masterpiece that that creates masterpieces. Ever thought of yourself as that was a masterpiece? It's the it's the work of the master. It's a work of art. He is working through his work of art. First of all, he has given us a purpose, and there it says, "Good works." Again, notice he has created us anew for good works. He has called us to be artists. One author writes it this way. God gave man the capacity to make things. True? God gave man the capacity to vision and, and then do, make something. Right? Every occupation, therefore, involves art. And an interesting thought. Every occupation involves art, either to produce or to service what's produced. So are you an artist? If you are created in Christ Jesus, if you in the created image of God, uh, he writes, the author of death writes, creativity is the essence of, of the human capacity. So stop and think about that. What is it that you, that you create? Well, have you ever written anything? Have you written a paragraph? Did the paragraph exist before you wrote it? No. Is that art? Producing something, making something that didn't exist. Shaping and molding. If you stop and think about it, we're working all, we're endeavoring artistic endeavors all the time. Never thought of that, did you? Last week, we ran into a couple in Fargo when we were visiting our son on our way to Watertown, and I was talking to this one fellow, he lives in Portland, and he is designing software to be able to help people uh, build websites or something marketing of some sort. And I said to him, do you know that that's his, oh, and his uh, wife, fiance, whatever she was, uh, was an artist. And I said, do you know that you're an artist? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, you're creating a computer, uh, you're taking computer software and you're making something to help people. That is a piece of art. You're an artist as well as your wife. And he went, wow, I never thought of my job as a computer programmer or whatever as an artist. What about children, raising children? Is that a form of artwork? Yeah. Training them, molding them, shaping them. What about working on oil rigs or repairing things or putting fires out or is that all 
artistic endeavor, making or servicing something made. The way that Paul says it here is good works. Things, work that is good. The things that we do. So the catechism in questions 88, 89, 90, and 91 talk about what is true repentance or conversion, the dying of the old man and the making alive of the new, putting off the old man, Heartfelt sorrow for sin, putting on the new man, heartfelt joy in God through Christ, causing us to take the light and living according to the will of God in all good works. Okay? We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. What are good works? Those only which proceed from true faith are done according to the law of God unto his glory and not such as rest in our own opinion or the commandments of men. Can, we do a, can you do a good work according to God? Yes, it's possible. Now, how many of our works are tainted with sin? Probably most of them. But even those, God cleanses. We are cre- created anew to be artists. How are we to do that? Notice our text which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should live, conduct our life in them. He will go on, starting in chapter 4, verse 1, through chapter 6, to describe ways of doing so. Chapters 4 through 6 talk about ways to say thank you for what God is doing. We'll get to that later on. So what, what should be our response Wow. How's that? Wow. What a privilege. I'm created in Christ Jesus. I'm his masterwork. The angels are in awe of God because of what he's doing in you. They rejoice to see the work of God in you. And those works that we are called to do, they have lasting value. Paul speaks about them passing through the fire. Some are made of gold, silver. Some are made of wood, hay, and stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble when it goes through the fire? Gone. What about gold? Does gold survive fire? Yes. Silver? Yes. Our works go through fire for the glory of God. Kuiper... Abraham Kuyper said it this way. Scripture tells us that people are created in the image of God. This means, among, among thing, other things, that they have the ability to make something beautiful and to delight in it. This is the biblical aesthetic. Thus, when we enjoy the beauty of a sonnet or the magnificent artistry of an epic or the fictional inventiveness of a novel, we are enjoying a quality of which God is the ultimate source in performing an act similar to God's enjoyment of the beauty of his own creation. So, can you enjoy good music? Enjoy music that the artist creates. 
Yeah, because in doing so, we're, we're beholding the beauty of God, working through that instrument, that work of art, to create a work of art. Are we aware? Do we rejoice? Do we rejoice that we are his workmanship, his work of art? Do we go about saying, okay, since I'm a work of art, I'm an instrument in his hands to glorify him, I work hard, I do what I'm called to do, I seek the Lord and his grace and his strength, and what I'm doing is a work of art, my masterpiece, my life. One author wrote it this way, what God chooses, he cleanses. What God cleanses, he molds. What God molds, he fills. What God fills, he uses. I think this is important for us to understand. There's one uh, music, musician, I think he was dealing with his daughter, teenage daughter. You've probably heard the song, maybe you haven't. The title of the song is Fingerprints of God. Ever heard it? No, doesn't ring a bell? Okay. Oldie moldy stuff. Here's what he says in the song. He's singing to, I think it's his teenage daughter. I can see the tears filling your eyes, and I know where they're coming from. They're coming from a heart that's broken in two by what you don't see. The person in the mirror doesn't look like a magazine. Oh, but when I look at you, it's clear to me that I can see the fingerprints of God. When I look at you, I can see the fingerprints of God. And I know it's true. You're a masterpiece that all creation quietly applauds. And you're covered with the fingerprints of God. Never has there been and never again will there be another you fashioned by God's hand and perfectly planned to be just who you are. And what he's been creating since the first beat of your heart is a living, breathing, priceless work of art. I can see the fingerprints of God when I look at you. I can see the fingerprints of God, and I know it's true. You're a masterpiece that all creation quietly applauds, and you're covered with the fingerprints of God. Just look at you. You're a wonder in the making. Oh, and God's not through. In fact, he's just getting started. Isn't that a great Advice of a father to a a daughter? How about our Heavenly Father to you and to me? The fingerprints of God molding and shaping us to be his work of art. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for a reminder that we have purpose. You've created us in Christ Jesus for good works to be both a reflection of your work and also an instrument through which you work in others. 
Enable us, O Lord, to be aware of, be submitted to, to rejoice in your work. And we pray that you grant us the grace that we may truly put off the old man, put on the new, that our works, whatever they are, whatever our callings are, whatever our uh, opportunities to serve you, that we would be instruments bringing glory to you. We pray this now in Jesus' name.